0: I am excited today we are in a series we're finishing up a series called on the real i hope you've had a chance to catch the other messages if you haven't please go back and listen to those they're absolutely incredible they were laughing at me wanting the big pulpit you know pastor i and pastor jonathan have the really cool hip table uh first of all it gives me something to hold on to because they don't have to preach in heels Right. right i think they should have to do that one week no i'm kidding the other thing is i'm old school and i use paper anybody else they they have these fancy ipads and all that i can't do that so i have to have something for my paper to sit on so but it is i don't think i've preached guys in almost a year so i need online you got to clappy hands for me and you guys have to smile i have to see teeth and faces because it really helps me make sure that, oh my goodness, did I just say something really dumb and now it's gonna be bad. So, But let's open in prayer, shall we? Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, thank you, thank you for the beautiful congregation of Hill City that we have the joy of getting to do life with. Father, I pray that you would bless them, bless their journey, and Lord, let this series be eye-opening. Lord, let it be reassuring that you use broken people. You use imperfect people. Father, in fact, you delighted it, Lord, and we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. The whole part of this series has reminded us that God loves to use imperfect people. You know, the Bible is not a textbook. It's not a manual. It's a story. It's a a story of, of God's love for us and how much he loves to use us, sometimes despite us. And so it's so many stories of people that weren't perfect. It, and, and, and I love that the Bible doesn't even hide the flaws of many of the people. It just lays it out there, forever immortalized. That's what we have kids for. I don't have a book that tells all my flaws. I have children. And they remind me often the things I've done over the years, quite often. And I don't remember them. I tell them, surely that didn't happen. And they're like, they all three gang up on me and they're all convinced these things happen right but god gives grace to us he gives grace to you he gives grace to me that no matter what we mess up the lord's always there right you can't mess up the call of god in your life to the point that the lord cannot come through his grace is there He's that big of a God, amen? The scripture that we've been working from is 1 Corinthians 1, verse 27 through 30, and it says this, God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Why do we love a good comeback story where the team that nobody thought would win ends up winning? Because that's our, that's our God. He takes the things that everybody says won't work out. That marriage that everybody says, that's not going to work. We just, we're just we going to call that now. I give them two years. You know what? The Lord says, bet. Bet. Watch what I want to do in their lives. Watch what I want to do through that person, that kid, right? And so we've talked about Noah. We've talked about Moses, Sarah, and David. We talked about their flaws and and how the Lord used them despite that. Today we're going to skip over to the New Testament, and we're going to talk about Peter. Does anybody remember Peter in the Bible? Peter was that guy, right? The one that opened his mouth before he thought. The one that was like, bet, I'll do it. You wanna do that? I'll do it. He, he would act before he would think and he would say what everybody else in the room was thinking but nobody really was gonna say it, right? He was that guy. Is anybody else that guy? Yes? Yeah, come on. What I love about this is maybe in the past weeks everybody was like, I'm not admitting. But when you're that guy, you're like, I am that guy. I am that person. Are you that one that when somebody was like, I dare you to, and before they could finish the sentence, you were gone the other day we, we had we bought this house and, and it was still really cold outside the pool it has an old pool the pool was still really green we were still trying to figure it out and I said to our 13 year old Addie I said I dare you no she said do you dare me to jump in this pool will, will you buy me that little skirt on Amazon if I could jump in and I was like maybe and before I could finish the word maybe she got a running start and launched into that cold pool, and she went to get out, and I was like, I was gonna buy you the skirt anyway. But she was like, bet. My, uh, my daughter reminded me, Mariah reminded us the other day that we went on this apple cider vinegar kick. Has everybody been on an apple cider vinegar kick before? So I was like, Mariah, I dare you to drink a whole cup of apple cider vinegar. And I honestly didn't think she would do it. She was like, bet on, I'm gonna do it. So that typically happens a lot in our family. But yeah, if you were that guy, that was me. I was always ready to pick a fight with somebody literally fight in sixth grade and then even with words I was like bring it on let's battle my friend worked at Ryan's steakhouse anybody remember Ryan's steakhouse right and she was telling me about a coworker that was picking on her and just kind of being a jerk and so we were set to go to dinner with her family that night at Ryan's and I was ready I was ready I was gonna let him have it I was just gonna go for it. So we all sit down at dinner, sweet little dinner, and everybody comes, he comes over to the table, and I don't know what he said, it wasn't even that big of a deal, but it was ever so slightly rude or kind of snarky, and I looked at him, and I said, sir, I will have you know, you are in the presence of ladies, and I would appreciate it if you acted right. And the whole table looked at me and i realized oh a little too strong huh came on a little too strong because many times i've been that guy and that's what but you know what this message today is for that person if you've been that person the lord has brought you here this morning he has a word for you because can i just skip to the end and tell you if you were that guy when you were playing for the devil how much more are you that guy and that person when you're on god's team right the Lord didn't stop the gifting the way he created you when you became a believer. In fact, he's like, you have no idea what I have in store. Over and over again, Jesus would say to Peter, you have no idea what I have for you. You just think, you know, but I have so much in store. And so isn't it great that God takes imperfect people and he uses them to do big things. That's what we see in the life of Peter, amen? Yes. Peter was always there when incredible things were happening every time in the Bible that the disciples are listed they list Peter's name first Peter history tells us was the only one that was married and and had a family so whenever Jesus called come follow me all the younger unmarried guys were like bet we don't have anything better to do Peter laid it all down, he knew the cost, he knew what he was, what the Lord was asking of him, and yet still he dropped his nets, it said, and he followed the Lord. He was there as only two other disciples with him when they saw the first person ever raised from the dead. He walked on water. Besides Jesus, the only person we have in recorded history that walked on water. When, when Jesus asked all of his disciples, who do people say that I am? Of course, Peter, the first to speak up, said, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. And he said, on this rock, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And so he was the one to speak that revelation. When after Jesus had was gone into heaven and they were short one disciple because Judas, had uh, had committed suicide it was peter that took lead amongst his peers and said we've got to do some business we've got to establish who our 13th who the next disciple is and he took lead on that and there at pentecost the baptism of the holy spirit the spirit fell they were filled with the holy ghost and peter walked out and began to preach and three thousand people got saved in his first sermon I don't have that kind of expectation today. It's all right. Yeah? He preached. And for the first 10 chapters of the book of Acts, it might as well be called the book of the Acts of Peter. It's crazy, guys. He, he saw people healed. His shadow, his shadow touching people would see that they were healed. How crazy is that? And when Jesus said, even more than I've done, you're gonna do, that's what we see happening in Peter's life. Whenever uh, we hear the story of Ananias and Sapphira lying to the body of Christ, Peter's the one that's bold enough to call them out in that moment. And one of the most amazing things to me and one of my favorite is when, when the revelation came that the gospel was not just for the Jewish people, but for all people. The revelation came to Peter in a dream that that God wanted to reach everyone. There was no such thing as someone disqualified from the promises of God, and he revealed that relation that revelation to Peter. He trusted Peter with with the gospel, with the establishment of the early church and to be that leader. So Peter must have been a really incredible person. But we know that Peter had issues. Yeah, don't we? Peter had issues like so many other people in the gospel. Peter had issues. And Peter's biggest issue was this. Peter feared the opinion of man. Peter had a fear of man, a fear of the opinion of man. When we say the fear of man, we don't mean like a literal phobia that someone's going to come into your house, like not a fear of man. That scripture actually, that that phrase actually comes from Deuteronomy chapter 1 when God tells his people, do not fear man or show partiality in judgment, but fear God who will judge you. So many times we fear the judgment that will come, the people judging us. When realize we need to fear god and god's judgment of our life because we will stand before him and not other people amen so the fear of man proverbs 29 says this fear of man will prove to be a snare but whoever trusts in the lord is kept safe when we trust in men another verse says some trust in horses and some trust in chariots in other words the strength of man but I will trust in the name of the Lord our God. Amen. But we see Peter. Peter, he loved it. He would get himself out there, and then he would. He would have, his fear of man would pull him back. Two times we see this really significantly. Number one, when Peter denies Jesus. Many of you have heard this story maybe before in Matthew 26, but let me give you a little bit of background. Peter had been with Jesus for three years, living together, walking together, seeing miracles. Not only was he Savior and Lord, but they were close. Can you imagine living with somebody for three years? P.A. and I were proud of ourselves. We survived eight days together. (laughs) And we still like each other at the end that was the greatest part it was wonderful but three years and it's coming to a close and 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 they're all gathered together for the Last Supper and Jesus says all of you are gonna betray me well big-mouth Peter not me not me everybody else might but I'm Peter I'm the first one listed remember I'm, I'm Peter don't you know that and Jesus says all of you he says in fact Peter you're gonna deny me before the rooster even crows three times and still Peter says nope not me never ever ever that extreme personality right and so they have their their last supper together and they go up onto the Mount of Olives they've been there in the the middle of Jerusalem up to the Mount of Olives and and um and then they go into the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus says, pray, let's pray together, right? And and they all fall asleep. Remember that, the disciples all fall asleep. They can't even stay awake to pray for an all-night prayer meeting, and the soldiers come with, with torches, it says, and swords, and they begin to take Jesus. Peter grips out a sword, cuts off One of the ears, because he's going to be first to the battle, right? And Jesus stops him. He heals the man. And they begin to take Jesus away. And at that point, the disciples scatter, but Peter watches from a distance. And he watches as they drag his Savior, his Lord, his companion, his friend, in front of a council, in front of a governing body. And they begin to falsely accuse him. And then not only do they accuse him with words, they begin to beat him. Jesus wasn't just beat once. He was beat multiple times as he walked to the cross, as he took that path to the cross for us, amen? But Peter watches as Jesus is beat. And all of a sudden, a little girl looks at him and says, hey, little girl, weren't you with Jesus? And he goes, nope, don't know what you're talking about. Let's look at it, Matthew 26, 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Then Peter began to call down curses on himself and he swore to them. He went definitely pre-Jesus on that moment, didn't he? I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows, you will disown me 3 times and he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter Peter had to know he was that type of personality, but in that moment the reality of his humanity and his issues And what it had done in that moment as he denied his Savior as as Jesus had already foretold hits him and he weeps bitterly and we see that he goes away from there the second time we see maybe is not quite as, as known or popular but we see later in the book of Galatians the early church has been established Peter has been the one that had the revelation that the gospel was also for the Gentiles so he went back to the Jewish community and said the gospel Jesus is Savior to all he was the forerunner of that that information. He was the forerunner of that revelation. And now he is sitting and eating with Gentiles. In the book of Galatians, we see. And and he's having, he's believing, he's discipling, he's raising up a church there until the Jews come from Jerusalem. And all of a sudden he knows they will have a different opinion. They won't agree with me. They will think I'm wrong. And his fear of man, his fear of the cool popular people get in the way, and we see this because Paul writes in Galatians, when Peter came to Antioch, I had to oppose him to his face, means Paul got all up in his face, and for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentiles. Galatians 2 and verse 11, sorry. He ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterwards, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore. He was afraid of criticism from these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. For a Jewish believer and for a Jew, circumcision was the sign of the covenant. And so for, for them it was part of a covenant belief, but for Gentiles it was not. And there was a debate going on, should Gentiles then follow the Jewish customs, or was the revelation and salvation coming to the Gentiles without the Jewish customs? This was the debate going on amongst Christians in that moment. And Peter was living, believing that Gentiles could, did not have to follow that until the peer pressure came, right? We use that term so much with, with young adults and with teenagers, but peer pressure happens with adults too. And in that moment, he was scared of the prominent Christians, the Christians who had, the believers who had a stronger opinion, and he pulled back from the very people God had called him to reach in that moment. Why? Because his fear of man got in the way. His fear of man. Has that ever happened? Have you ever been in that meeting where you needed to stand up for somebody or something? But oh, the backlash oh what someone's going to say when i stand up for someone when i stand up for what's right when i stand up um the other day somebody was like we were all working together we left early but we didn't clock out are you going to be the one who takes that stand or are you going to fear the backlash because the backlash is real when peter saw jesus get beat he wasn't just fearing being rejected he was fearing getting beat right but are we going to fear god rather than man and so that conflict excuse me kept Peter silent and Paul had to come in and he had to rebuke him I remember a time for me um, being on City Council when um, it was time to take a stand for something there was a development going in and people some people were just concerned and some people were outright against it and they were against that they felt like it would bring a certain type of people with this development and I remember to individuals I would say that's not right that's not right how dare you judge a person based on where they live or the the income the size of their house the expense of their house but boy when I was standing in front of a hundred and sixty really angry citizens please just let this get over so I can go home right it's terrifying terrifying to have to do that and so I remember in that moment I remember later saying I regret not saying more what can they do? They, if people actually, the, we had the window of our car shot out afterwards. But you know what? Do I fear man or do I fear God? Is it time to stand up for, for people, for what's right, for righteousness, despite the fear of man? And so we see Peter in our own lives. We see it every single day. We see it when someone is rude to someone else in the checkout line in front of us. And we're like, oh, my goodness, I just hope he goes away. But when, when are we going to say no to the fear of man and say, excuse me, that's not how we talk to people. Yes, there's going to be a backlash because a scary person's scary to talk to, right? <laughs> but how do we break that fear? How do we break the fear of man off our own lives? Because until we do, we can't step out and do the things that God's called us to do. Amen? Yeah. Breaking the fear of man, number one. Value the eternal over the temporal. Value what God sees and what God values versus over what man values. Luke 12, four through five says this, I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after your body has been killed has the authority to throw you in hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. I was like, man, that's a really strong scripture. It's kind of scary. But in that moment, Jesus is trying to impart to the disciples the magnitude. Do you understand there's a soul on the line? Do you understand? Do you see what I see? Do you not see the, the, the people, the prestige but, and the outside, but can you see the inside? Can you see a person who's hurting, who's dying, and without knowledge of Christ and without accepting him, could could spend an eternity in hell i wonder how differently we would live our lives if we saw the eternal i wonder i think sometimes we're like it's too much i can't even i can't even face what the way that would change our lives but maybe today the lord is asking us to see the eternal over the temporal peter let the intimidation of being exposed or literally beat to keep him to deny christ to a little girl to a little girl in that moment, and it's so, and it's, it's, um, it, we have to value that. I remember a time when I, I had a friend who was making some really bad choices in her marriage, and she called me because she wanted me to support her choices. She wanted me to support. She was, she was stepping out. She was gonna leave. She was like, you don't you know, he doesn't take care of me. All these different things. And in that moment, I had to make a decision that cost me the friendship. But I had to say, what you're doing is wrong. I had to. Because I had to be right and justified? No, because her her soul was on the line here. And the path that she would take with these choices was going to be away from what God had for her. And so it cost me the friendship. But in that moment, I had to stand up for what I believed was right. Number two, love Jesus more than these. Peter has blown it, he's denied Christ to the point where he goes back fishing and he goes back to his before Jesus days as we know it, he goes back to what feels comfortable, what feels like it's not out there, not not, not brave and in John 21 Jesus has called to them and he, and he sees them and he calls them back and Peter comes running and he's sitting down with Jesus and, he, and it says when they had finished eating Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John Some scholars say that, that Jesus asked him three times because he denied him three times. Maybe Jesus knew that Peter would always answer what he was supposed to answer the first time until he asked him and said, no, 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 I want to talk about this. Do you love me? And then what was his response? It's so interesting. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep because people and their heart and their soul and their eternal um, destination matters to Jesus. So if you love me, Jesus says, care about people, feed my sheep, care about the eternal over the temporal, right? What for you would be those more than these? For, Jesus, for Peter, it was the fear of man. It was that fear of, of, of being rejected. Of, what is it for you? Maybe it's something different for you. Maybe it's that fear of loss of promotion. Maybe it's a loss of safety. Maybe the Lord is asking you to go on a mission trip next year and you're like, yeah, no, that's scary. But Jesus says, do you love me more than your safety? If you do, go feed my sheep. Do you love me more than your convenience? Sometimes we can love convenience more than we love Jesus. I am so grateful and I was so overwhelmed this morning to know that everybody sitting here, everybody online, you made a series of choices to come this morning and I'm sure there were multiple reasons to not come. But you made choices to prioritize your growth in the Lord, your commitment to the body of Christ over convenience, sleep, <laughs> opportunity to go do something different. You made those choices. Why? Because every time you do, you're saying, Lord, I love you more than those things. That's good. That's good. And so when the opportunity comes to, cheat, to, to, to shift the numbers ever so slightly so you get the promotion... Jesus would ask you, do you love me more? Do you love me more than these? When, when it's that time to take a stand or to make a commitment or to attend a small group or to commit to something, and the Lord says, do you love me more? More than the convenience, more than the ease, more than the, the, the safety that comes from not journeying into the unknown. There, that's so, sometimes the Lord just calls us into things that I don't know what it's going to be like, but the Lord's like, but I got you. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you trust me? Psalms 118 says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what can man do to me. I remember just, I talk about my city council days because it was moments where you had to make decisions that were unpopular. And I remember one time making an unpopular decision and somebody got in my face and they said, I hope you never run for office again because this decision will be your undoing. Well, guess what? The side of me that likes to win was like, uh-oh, maybe I should back up on this decision. Maybe I should back down on standing for what I believe. And we had a, um, a restaurant come in town that I don't personally appreciate because I think it objectifies women. Yep. And I remember everybody saying, well, of course you're gonna feel that way. You're, you're, you're a woman. And I'm like, no, no, as believers, how do we feel? I don't care if the wings are good, right? amen does it create the place (laughs) I wouldn't know I've never been there ooh sorry Um, in that moment it was important for me to stand for what I believe the Lord has put in my heart but I can't be where you are you're where you are you're in those places you're in those businesses you're in those places with family it's hard it's hard around family it's hard around our friends our friends that knew us back then but what Jesus is asking you do you love me more more than your reputation more than the loneliness you're gonna feel when they're not gonna call you anymore right cuz you're the one that puts the wet blanket on everything now but but Jesus asking do you love me and if you do Let's think about the eternal. Let's think about souls, amen? Amen. Do you love righteousness more than that promotion that's in in your path and in your way, if you'll only go along, right? Number three, face your fears. We see two things happening in Peter's life that completely transform who he is. Peter was a man who was terrified of a little girl. Now, I've worked in the six-year-old classroom. They can be terrifying. I will say that, right? But, but one little girl, he would not stand for what he believed in. We see this Peter around the, around the Jerusalem is, is built around the, the city, the temple. He's in that same vicinity. And just a short time later, he stands up in front of thousands, some of the same people that he did not even admit he knew Jesus. He stands up and he says, you're the one that crucified him you're the one that, that put him in that grave, but he rose again and you need to repent. What changed in Peter's life? What happened? Because I think if we can embrace those things in our own lives, then we can let the Lord change us and make us who he's called us to be. The first thing he did is Peter faced his fear. Peter faced it. Peter didn't have to come back out of that boat, back out of fishing and sit down with Jesus and get real. Sometimes we need to get alone with Jesus and just let him talk to us about us because he knows our issues, guys. He knows and he loves us anyway. How great is that? In fact, he chooses us despite us. It's what he delights in. It's what he delights in. He began to face his fear. And the second thing he was, he was full of the Holy Spirit. They waited there in Jerusalem, the Spirit of God fell, and Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, says this in Acts 2. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs which God did among you through him, as you know yourselves. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge, and you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. Peter then tells them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. He is talking to, if 3,000 get saved, how many more thousand are there? And he is saying, all your traditions, and the reason you came to this place right now was for your traditions? No, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus. The same Jesus that I was ashamed of just a little bit ago. But Peter went through his worst fear. He faced it. He faced it and he realized that on the other side was God's power and God's provision and miracles. And we see then the early church explode because Peter was willing to face his fears. Amen? Amen. Your greatest weakness can become your greatest strength. But if we're so scared of what we're going to lose, then we'll never let go of what God has. We'll never let go and receive what God has. Amen? We have to be willing to face that fear. What's the fear? Is it, it that fear of loss of security, that fear of loss of, of reputation, of being alone? Those fears, facing those fears, going through them, letting the Holy Spirit fill you, and knowing that God has called you to a group of people. He's called you to feed his sheep because I can't reach the people God's called you to reach. The Bible says that the role of the ministry is to equip the saints. I'm here for you, we're here for you, to equip you to do what God's called you to do. And, and so I love that God takes imperfect people, right? Over and over and over we see examples of imperfect people that God uses to do big things for him. Amen? Would you stand with me? this
1: hey everybody wasn't that a great message i know that as we speak your life is being changed by the word of the lord so here's what i want you to do take some time to think about it consider it pray and ask the lord how you can apply it to your life today and this week and maybe there's something that he's asking you to change or do differently in your life so Let's not let this be something that we just watch and then walk away like nothing happened. We're so grateful to be able to hear the word of the Lord. You weren't here in person today, but you're here with us online and that matters. And if you made a decision for Christ today, we wanna know, we wanna know how to come alongside you and how to support you and how we can best pray for you. So please, if you did make that decision for Christ today, text the word decided to 469-606-268. We can't wait to see you back next week. Same time, same place. Share these posts with your friends. Share it on your social media. Blast it out there. Don't be greedy and keep it to yourself. We love you and we'll see you soon. God bless.